Greetings, and welcome to another exciting episode of Pretentious Internet Theatre, the show so late it reminds you that good things come to those who wait. I am your host, Andrew Cook. Tonight I'd like to start out by thanking those of you who emailed thepitpodcast at gmail.com asking when I was going to have another episode. Those of you who asked, I gave a vague response because I didn't know when my next episode was going to be. I didn't know when I was going to be able to find time, and I figured what better time than now to be able to do it. And maybe you may have noticed that some of my older episodes have been pulled offline, and I wish to let you know that I have downloaded every one of them. They are on my hard drives, and I'm currently negotiating where I can put my show in the future. So, there you have it. It wasn't an error on the part of Podbean, there's no mass conspiracy. I have downloaded every one of them, and I pulled them all from online so that I could have storage space while I'm in the middle of trying to negotiate how I can get my podcast to have more listeners and trying to be able to build a viable presence so that my listeners can increase because that's the whole point of having a podcast, to be able to have an audience behind you. And it was through your emails that I knew that I still had an audience behind me. So I thank you for them. I think it's also something else that's been going on. It's best summed up in a quote by John Barrymore. A man does not grow old till regrets take the place of dreams. And I have done my best to live my life with no regrets. But I still have many a dream to achieve. And so I'm setting off to do that. Now... The reason behind this is because I was inspired. A friend of mine had let me know last November, and I completely ignored it. And didn't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes I have a tendency to do. She told me about a fan fiction that was going to get published, or was published, or something. Unfortunately, I thought maybe she wanted me to read the f- fan fiction in question. And it was rather long and I mean, sorry, I don't... I, I, I try to tend not to read multi-story arcs. I mean, I, I, I mean, I could, but it ends up being like three or four episodes long, and... But that wasn't it. It was, it was, it was again, in April, when I heard of the story again. I think you know it, fan fiction I'm referring to. Well, it, the author will not say it's fanfiction, but it's a certain fanfiction based off of Twilight, which was changed until now is known as Fifty Shades of Grey. That had sold 20 million copies. So, I'm, I'm only going to drop hints as to what I'm working on. I assure you it's not erotic fanfiction. But... I told my friend I was going to start a joke. And I told her what the punchline would be. So, elite listener, I want to let you know the joke has started, and the punchline will hopefully be delivered in a year from now. Still, we have fan fiction to read, don't we? <clears throat> Pretentious Internet Theatre proudly presents Don't Be Afraid to Love by Jigglypuffer. 
Disclaimer. I don't own Michelle says she's Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon, any of its persons, places, things, plots, or ideas. You can just say you don't own their nouns. That would be much quicker for both of us. Naoko Takerushi, a bunch of people and corporations in Japan and a bunch of people and corporations in America own it. AI in no way, shape, or form say I own it. Please don't sue me! I don't keep the lawyers off the bay. I'm sorry, Osagi-chan, but I just don't love you. And I mean it this time, the tall, dark-haired man said to the shocked blonde side. Maru asked Usagi to his place to talk. Usagi, thinking her was going to finally propose, came eagerly. Now... They were sitting on his couch, and Usagi couldn't believe her ears. But, Mamo-chan, you love me. You always have. Why are you leaving now? Usagi cried as she began to sob uncontrollably. Did you ever wonder why I left you so much? Besides getting killed and all. It was because, I guess, I knew deep down it wouldn't work. So I shit away from you. Now I know this. Don't get me wrong, Usagi-chan. I care about you a lot. I just don't love you. I think of you more as an attractive sister. Or like a sister who's in junior high. And me being an 18-year-old. You could think of that, too. Back to the story. Mamaru laughed mirthlessly. Then he burst from the couch and started pacing the room. I wanted to... What about Chibiusa-chan, huh? Are you saying you don't love her either? That you don't love your future daughter, the child we are supposed to have? You're going to leave me and her? Usagi almost screamed. She was getting mad and liking it. Mamoru had left her one too many times, and Usagi wasn't taking it anymore. I guess we could, um, you know, do it once to conceive her. Momoru muttered, embarrassed. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that you'll do that for little old her. I sure hope you pay child support, because I'm going to suck you dry when Chibiusa-chan is born. Oh, wait. I won't have to? I'm going to be queen of the world, and you can bet your ass that I'm going to have you locked up for the most minor crimes. You be clean of the moon, not of the... Anyway. And I'm going to make you my septic tank cleaner. So I have hope you're happy for two, maybe three years. Because when I become queen, your life is going to be a living hell. Just like mine was all those times you left me. With that, Usagi stormed out of Momoru's apartment, leaving a very stunned Momoru behind. I'll kill him! Just try to stop me, Kino. Makoto fumed to the three girls at the table Usagi had called Ray. Told the whole miserable tale and informed her to tell the others he couldn't make the senshi meeting. After relating the story to the others, Makoto was seething. Minako had gone to throw up. Amy was cursing in six languages. That's how mad she was! Ray was unusually calm because she used to 
date him back in the day, so... You guys cool it. I think Usa-chan will be okay, Ray stated. How can you say that? Every other time that Baka Chiba-san dumped her, she almost died from the f***ing grief, Minako said, and promptly apologized to the group. I think she'll be okay because she wasn't crying on the phone. She was positively livid. I'm talking mad as she was at Beryl, Wiseman, and all the rest of them. She isn't taking this anymore. I bet she gets even. Ray was almost chuckling. She had always known in the deepest parts of her soul that Usagi would eventually get fed up with Momoru's abuse and tell him off. And Ray knew she finally had. Why do I do this? I promised her the last time I wouldn't do this again, and yet I am. I've hurt her again. Why? Moru moaned to himself as he stared at the wall. After the initial shock of Usagi's outburst, her words had sunken in and hurt. He could have handled the usual hysterical sobbing, some anger, some denial, but all-out rage when Usagi was the sweetest, nicest person ever, even for Ray, that was a bit much. Mamoru knew Usagi was enraged because of him. I do love you, Usago. I'm just scared you'll leave me first, Mamoru said to the knight as he got up to the bed. If you only knew how much it would hurt if you left me, that's why I do what I do over and over. If you only knew how much it would hurt, Mamoru whispered to the wall. As he drifted off to sleep, he thought he heard a familiar female voice say, She does know, Chiba Mamoru. She does know. Hello, Usa-chan. We're glad you could come. We were worried... Your mom would keep you too long to get here. Hello, Haisha-san. It's nice to see you. Ray said coolly to the couple before her. Usagi had insisted on bringing Haisha Ranbo to the annual carnival with them, and now she was hanging all over him. The others were made introductions, all wished to anyone and everyone else. You could hear them, and Usagi would dump this drip. Every one of them wanted Ranbo to be Maru. Who in the f*** is this guy? Unlike Mamaru, Ranbo was not an honorary senshi, and this did not allow the cats to talk in his presence. This had caused the felines to decide to stay home and study a bit. This was... This just peeved the girls, though. What worried them was Ranbo's habit of getting violent when things didn't go his way. Then again, Usagi was moving on. <coughs> she hadn't said a single word to Mamaru since the breakup. She seemed to be happy, if more jumpy and nervous. Okay, well, let's try to be nice for Usa-chan's sake, Minako said. A few rude gestures at Ranbo's back. The rest agreed. Usagi's dating someone they hated was better than Usagi hating them. Let's go on the Tim... Burr... Tear. Uh, Makoto spilt out the English the best she could. When Usagi and Ranbu turned back from their conversation, it seemed like a lecture, Ranbu's part to the girls. It's Timber Terra, and I believe it'll be quite fun, Amy laughed. Genitally? The group knew that Timber Terra was Usagi's favorite ride, and they felt she deserved it, getting over. Marumu. <laughs> Getting over Mumaru so fast. Usagi was just about to eagerly agree when Ranbu leaned over and whispered in Usagi's ear. Usagi visibly re recoiled, collected herself, and then said quietly, 
I think maybe we should go on the Ferris wheel first. The girls stood shocked. Soggy had never backed down on choosing rides. Come on, you guys, it'll be fun, Usagi said as she plastered a huge fake grin on her face. Her eyes, though, pleaded for compliance. Ah, uh, okay, Usachan, let's go, Ray said uneasily. Renbu was known to get girls up on the Ferris wheel to make out. Usagi had told them she and Renbu were hands-off so early in the relationship, but none of the girls thought Renbu would stick by the oath. Listen, you guys, Ray whispered as Usagi and Renbu walked ahead of them, Rambo leading, Soggy meekly following. I really don't like him. If we let them out of our sight, he'll probably hurt her, so I think we should never leave them alone. As long as we're here, we'll keep a close eye on them. Got it? Block us away. The other three girls agreed. After paying the ticket man, the group got into their seats. Usagi and Ranbu were together. Mikoto and Ami. And Rei and Minako. And the wheel began to slowly turn. Rei took out her henshin rod, as did the others. Couldn't hurt to have them handy in case Ranbu got out of hand, which about two minutes later he did. Rei was just noticing the view of a very cute cotton candy vendor. Hey, just because she and Yu Ichiro were dating didn't mean she couldn't look. When she heard Usagi almost scream, No, Ranbu-chan, I mean it. Don't, Rei. Started to say her henshin praise, but stopped. You below might see her transform. She could just throw the little piece of paper at his head. Or the other people on the wheel. Rei noticed her friends... Start their henchins also. She flipped open her communicator and said, No, wait. Let me get the slime ball. If we all knock him at once, people will see us. Three agreed as Ray thought to herself, I sure hope what I've been practicing works. Then she whispered her henchin. But as the glowing red pumps replaced her sneakers, she whispered, Ma's henchin cease. Looked the same to anyone below or above her. She had just enough power now to zap Renbu a little reminder of his oath. Mars fire burn! <clears throat> a barely visible stream of red fire energy shot out from her fingertips toward Rambu, who was trying to French a struggling Usagi. As Ray's stream hit his target, cheered silently. Rambu yelled a very loud curse word, jumped and fell out of the chair. He'd unbuckled the seatbelt to better his chances at cornering Usagi and was now paying the price. Usagi looked relieved, just a bit happy. Unfortunately, Anbu was only ten feet above the ground, so he fell to the soft mud below, because we were hoping that he'd shatter every bone in his body, including that one. After composing himself, Ray looked for the energy beam she had Rambu, turning her gaze to Ray, who was putting the, her henshin rod away. Usagi shot her a grateful glance and vowed that very moment to dump Hashia Rambu. I'm sorry, Chibashan, but if you don't start getting here on time, I'm going to have to fire you. Is this clear? Itanoi Dancy said sternly as Mimaru straggled in. Twenty minutes late, again, he liked Mamaru, but he couldn't tolerate failure. He wanted Mamaru to get over his girl, get, move on. Of course, why Mamaru dumped her in the first place, he couldn't figure out. 
Taizumaru had brought Usagi to work, she had brightened and lightened and brightens everyone's day. The old man had no reason to believe he had anything terrible enough to instigate the breakup. He could never find out, because Moru never talked about his personal life. Oh well. I know that, Densei-san, I'm just preoccupied. But I'll be here at eight sharp tomorrow. No, make it seven, Moru said desperately. He only had his job. So now he and Usagi were no longer an item, as the Americans say. He had nothing to do at home but brood and strew in his misery. Stew in his misery. He needed his job to keep him busy and to keep him sane. Please, just another chance. I won't be late again. All right, but get some sleep and be here bright and early. And Chiba-san? Itonoi's voice grew soft and he viewed his young friend almost like a son to him, slowly wasting away. Don't be afraid to love. With that, Hitonoi left a dwelling Maru behind. Oh, did he? Mamaru was once again staring at the wall. He spent most of his spare time doing so. He had heard around town that the petite blonde who hung out at the arcade with a bunch of girls was seeing Haishia Rambu. The news had highly distressed and angered Maru. It would not go out with him totally pissed off. Then, after a bit of ranting to Motoki, he confessed to both his friend and himself that Sagi wouldn't be dating Haisha if he hadn't dumped her. This, of course, bombed Mamaru even more. A week or so after the breakup, Mamaru stopped going out of his apartment for anything. Really, he only went out to see Matoki only for work and hide behind a tree or watch Usagi go to school. This was why he was late to work every morning. But he couldn't tell anyone, not even Motoki. Usagi may find out. She always looked so careful happy and carefree, except when she was at Ranbu. Then she looked sad and agitated. Why did I leave her? Why? Why did I hurt her and throw her into the arms of that monster? Mumaru sighed as he did every night to his wall as he fell into a fitful sleep. But tonight, the nightmares he experienced were much different. Instead of the usual Usagi leaving him, him jumping off a cliff in uncontrollable grief and being impaled in the sharp rocks below the dream had nothing to do with her imagined departure. As the dream fairly emerged, he found himself in a long ally. Did he? Behind him, he could see the arcade, but the bustling town of Tokyo, and the bustling town of Tokyo, for some odd reason, Maru felt a horrible fear and an irrepressible urge to run down the ally. As he came to the end, there was a wall of scummy reddish-green bricks which would make them brown. And a few flickering streetlights. But Maru did not notice these. What Mamaru saw made his heart stop. Hashirenbu stood over the blood-soaked Usagi with a bloody knife in his right hand, and he held Usagi's head and brutally enveloped her lifeless lips with his own. Her beautiful Odangus were tinted maroon from the blood that seeped from the gash in her forehead. Clothing was ripped, indicating a struggle, Mamaru roared in rage and tried to tackle Ranbu, but he felt his body freeze in place as he was rooted in the spot. He felt his body freeze in place and was rooted at the spot. Ranbu turned to Mamaru and sneered. You shouldn't have left her, Chiba Baka. She shouldn't have defied me. She'll always be mine. With that, Ranbu picked up Usagi's corpse, spat at Mamaru's feet, and disappeared. Mamaru could now move, but Ranbu was long gone with Usagi. 
Usago! Mamoru cried in anguish as he collapsed and sobbed hysterically. He heard the same voice from the night deserted Usagi. This is only one future that may happen to you if you do not right your wrong. You must save your relationship with Tsukino Usagi to save the world, the voice said urgently. Who are you? Why do you torment me and why do you show me this? Mamoru cried as he searched frantically for the voice in the dim, dank ally. You don't remember me? I'm surprised at you, Chima Mamoru, but I guess it's for the best. You must save your relationship with Tsukino Usagi or all will be lost, the voice now said kindly. Still urgently, you must. You know, it wasn't all that hard to dump him after all, Usagi said cheerfully as she and Ami played chess. Rei and Minako were playing checkers and Makoto, Artemis, Luna were playing poker as best as cats could. Usagi was feeling the best she had in weeks. After the breakup, she immediately gone out and found the one person who would definitely not want her dating. Ranbu had been in the off- same orphanage as Momaru. He always competed in everything, but as Maru and Ranbu both said, Maru was the general favorite in everything. Maru was polite, sweet of quiet and kind. Ranbu was rude, bitter and cruel over the years. Maru became distant to everyone, but he remained gracious and considerate. Ranbu also became distant to all that knew him, but he also became more uncouth and nastier. Usagi knew that he was the last person on earth Maru would want to see at her side. This, of course, led to her date him. This, of course, led her to date him. It also helped that Ranbu had liked Usagi since her met her a few years back. He had just not tried anything until she was unquestionably free. But after a while, Usagi saw why Momaru wasn't fond of him. It wasn't just because he was keen to her. It was because he found his pleasure in being a vicious, sadistic jerk. That horrible time in Usagi's life was over just a few hours ago. She told Ranbu it was over. She had stood on the ground through the pleading, the denial, and the threats. Now she could go gaga over every guy she wanted again. Why she feel so sad still? Why did she feel like a piece of her had left when Momaru left her. That's because you know he's a complete barker in treating everyone as nice as yourself, Makoto said fiercely, breaking Usagi out of her reverie. She gave her friend a squeeze on the shoulder. The others smiled warmly to her as well. Thanks, Mako-chan. It's really great, knowing I have friends like all of you. I just wish I could get totally over Mamo-chan-chiba-san, Usagi said quietly. All present looked dismal as well, because they had promised Usagi they wouldn't speak to Maru either. He had been a good companion to them all, and throwing away his relationship with Usagi had severed the bonds of friendship he had with the girls and the kitties. Don't worry, Usachan, it'll all work out. Who knows, maybe Chiba-san will stop being a dimwit and take you back, Luna said sympathetically. That's nice of you to say, Luna, Usagi said. She stood up to leave, but I'm not sure I want him to. As Umaru walked home through his apartment building, he thought of his most recent dream. Was this also his future self sending a message through a telepathic bond? No, it had been a female voice. Was it a friend from the past or future life? Umaru highly doubted it. The voice seemed so familiar like he'd heard it in the past year or so. All he knew was the voice in the dream it accompanied was his warning. 
he had to save Usagi from Ranbu, or at least that's what he interpreted. But when would this horror happen? All the dream specified was the night, and the ally across from the arcade. Ever since the dream two days ago, Maru had called in sick with a 24-hour flu, so we could stand watch by the ally all night, just in case Ranbu tried something. But Maru couldn't spend every night hanging out in the ally. He had work, and people might think he was up to no good. He was beginning to look like a hopeless case, when as he came upon the dreading passageway he felt the same fear he felt in his dream he began to run as if his life depended on it in a way it did but just as it came barely lit scummy green wall he skidded to a stop and gapped at the most surprising sight in his life Usagi wasn't dead on the ground as Maru feared instead Ranbu was on the ground on his stomach pleading for his life and sobbing wildly this amused Maru until he saw whom had Ranbu pinned was a figure he once saw on a daily basis, albeit not in the form she was now. A young woman, a sailor-type Fuku, held her captive, still with one white boot, or demanding an apology. You even lay a finger on my friend, Tsukino Usagi again, or any of her friends, or her family, I swear I will hurt you so bad you'll wish you died. Got it? The blonde demanded, her dangle shaking from the anger emitted from her. Pure white wings rippled in the breeze as she waited for her answer. Yes, yeah, I know. I won't go near any of your friends. I got it, Rambu cried as the sharp boot heel cut into his flesh. Good. Now get out of here before I get really mad. With that, Rambu scrambled up and off, screaming out as he left. Chiba, you better run. That bitch is crazy. Mumaru laughed and turned to congratulate Eternal Sailor Moon when Usagi stepped out from the shadowed alleyway to pat the now detransform Usagi on the back. Huh? Maru said, confused. Both Usagi people turned to face him. One held a look of mild contempt and sadness for him. The other held rage. And something else. Only the true Usagi could show. For him, anyway. Not that's any of your business, but Rei-chan had a vision of tonight's events, so Mina-chan had a disguise pen to look like me, so I could say it from here, Shan, and I did, so there's the reason for you're here. Or, now, is there a reason you're here? You're just out for a late-night stroll. Usagi dripped sarcasm as Minoko transformed back to herself. Maru was at a loss for words, for how beautiful Usagi looked in the moonlight, even in the most disgusting alley in all of Tokyo. Sagi still shone with an inner radiance. Minako was cute, even beautiful, but but she could never have a hold of love of Amoru as Usagi did. Um, okay, Chiba-san, we're going to go now. Bye, Minako said gently as Amoru stared at Usagi for a full half minute. Maru snapped to it and said, No, hold on. Can I speak to Tsukino-san alone? Maru asked Minako, but his question was towards Usagi. I don't care. Usachan, what do you think? Minaku asked. But she did want Moaru and Usagi to make up. But she couldn't force it, even if she was the senshi of love. I guess, but you'd better make it quick. My, my father doesn't really like you. If he finds that I was out with you this late at night, well, let's just say you couldn't make it to Crystal Tokyo. Usagi said, mockingly sweet. Then she turned to Minako, who was shifting from foot to foot uncomfortably. Mina-chan, if you could just stand outside the ally so you could walk me home, Usagi said quietly. Um, sure, I'll, sure, I'll be outside. With that, Minako jumped across the ally's length and was on the sidewalk. Now what? 
Usagi asked irritably. To mask her inner turmoil, she looked at Mamaru expectantly, waiting for him to talk. She so wanted to kiss his unshed tears away, to hold him tight and never let him go, but her love would wave and show affection when he left her. At least, that's what Usagi tried to believe. Usagi, I don't call me that again. I don't go by that anymore, not from you anyway, Usagi said sadly. She no longer was trying to hide the hurt and pain inflicted on her. I'm I'm sorry, I sh- should never have left you again. But I... Save it, Shiba-san, it's over. I understand us dying and you forgetting our love. That wasn't your fault. I understand Belle taking you over and you trying to kill me. That wasn't your fault. I understand you leaving me because your future self thought it would be a good idea. That wasn't your fault. I understand you getting the Elixir's mirror shot and your eyes becoming a total jerk. That wasn't your fault. I even understand you being killed by Glacia and not being there when I need you the most. That wasn't your fault. What I don't understand is this. We were finally happy, about to marry, and you go f*** everything up. At this... Mimaru winced. Didn't think I had it in me, did you? Well, I do, Chiba-san, and I'm sorry too, but it's over. I love you too much to risk getting hurt again. And just so you know, this is your fault. With that, Usagi turned on her heel, and the tears streaming down her softly curved cheeks left her Mamaru crushed in the alley. Usachan, can I talk to you? Naru asked quietly. After becoming a senshi, Usagi had un consciously shut Osaka Naru and Goru Umino out of her life. She had recently noticed her negligence towards her friends since kindergarten. Sure, Ruchan, what's up? Usagi asked as she put down the manga she was reading. Usagi started to include Naru and Umino in anything she did with the others to make up for lost time. The only reason they had not accomplished the five girls at this amusement park because Renbu had said he was only willing to come if Umino didn't, seeing as Umino would protect his girlfriend and ex-crush to the end. And Naru would not go without Umino. It had been two days since she'd kicked Renbu's ass, and she was now hanging out with Naru at her apartment. Oh, wait, wait to set up a scene. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like, she was just bitching out Tuxedo Mask in the alley, and then, oh, hey, here's, uh, here's Molly. Usachan, can I talk to you? Oh, you know, I'm going to do it like that. I just wanted to make sure you were okay. I mean, you've been acting like you did when Chiba-san left you a while back, you know? All sad and depressed. Are you fighting again? Naru asked with obvious concern in her voice. Oh, well, I should have told you sooner, since you're my best friend. But Chiba-san and I broke up, Usaki stated, then proceeded to tell Naru the whole story, only leaving out being Sailor Moon. She made it clear she didn't love me. And I don't see any reason to pursue his affections if he'll just deny them, Usagi said coldly. Turned from her friend, she took in the tears forming in her eyes, and she started to cry silently if the man rested on her shoulder. Usachan, a good reason to pursue his affections is because you love him, and he loves you. I've known you a long time, and I know there's some things you haven't told me. Usagi tried to protest, but was silenced with a gentle bomb. But one thing you didn't have to tell me was how you felt about Chiba-san. If you love him as much as I think you do, you should get him to apologize. Have him promise he'll never hurt you again, and then you can be together like you should be. Oh, Ruchan, I do love him. I love him with all my heart and soul. I don't want to get hurt again, Usagi said sadly. Naru laughed. 
and patted Usagi's knee encouragingly. Usachan, he loves you. No matter what happens, he'll always love and come back to you. I suggest you go to him first. A love like yours is really rare. I guess you're right. Thanks, Huruchan. I'm going to see him right now. We'll hang out tomorrow, okay? Usagi said as she wiped her eyes and stood. Naru nodded and watched her best friend walk towards her destiny. As she closed the door behind her, Usagi didn't hear Nalu softly murmur. Go and win back your soulmate, Sailor Moon. You'll never regret it. Mama-chan, I love you and I'm willing to forgive you if you promise me you'll never hurt me again. No, that won't work. Mama-chan won't be hurt again. No, too huffy. Mama-chan, I... Usagi mumbled to herself as she crossed the street. She didn't notice a dark, shadowy figure following her until she had a rough hand clamp over her mouth. She cried out before hand applied terrifying pressure to her face, blocking her airways. She began to lose consciousness. She heard a familiar voice hit. Hey, baby. I don't know how you know that sailor, bitch, but she ain't here to help you now, so I'm going to have a little fun. You try to run, I won't think twice about shooting your pretty little head off. Let's go find somewhere a little more private than this, shall we? With that, Soggy was dragged off the nearest alley, kicking and fighting the oncoming darkness. She was attacking the darkness! As she finally lost consciousness, the last thing she thought was how she wished she'd never met Aisha Ranbu. Momaru walked along nimbly, not noticing the tears streaming down his face. Momaru never cried, and when Motoki saw him, had immediately told him to go home and rest. Momaru headed home, simply because he had nothing else to do. Hatonoi Dansai, taking in Momaru's hollow eyes and tear-stained cheeks, had given him the rest of the week off. Momaru vaguely remembered Dansai telling him to go home and rest also, but felt that his duty helped those in need. He looked around quickly, barely caught sight of Hyasha dragging a young blonde into an alley. He noticed two strange spheres atop the girl's head, and his breath caught in his throat. Usago, no, Momaru whispered as he ran at the two figures as fast as his legs would carry him. Now, baby, I know it's nothing personal, but you are the finest piece of ass I've ever seen. I know you like it too, Ranbu said evilly as he lunged Usagi's limp form into the abandoned duplex he had chosen specifically for this particular purpose. He jumped Usagi in a corner and began to unbutton his grimy jacket. As he was taking off his jeans, a masked man in the cape burst through the open door and tackled Ranbu. They rode around on the floor, and finally the cape crusader pinned Ranbu to the ground, losing his top hat in the process. Tuxedo Kamen punched Ranbu over and over, until he was sure he'd knocked him out. Then he got up slowly, kicked Ranbu's limp form an extra time, and ran over to Usagi's still body. He then checked her over for vital signs. When he was sure she was alive, Tuxedo Kamen tenderly caressed Usagi's slightly bruised face and whispered sweet nothings to her. He then turned viciously to Ranbu and noticed he was wobbly, and holding his head, but standing, I ain't given up that easily, dickhead. Ranbu sneered as he whipped out his semi-automatic and repeatedly shot at Tuxedo Kamen. Tuxedo Kamen calmly took out his cane, swiftly put it to its longest length, and spun it at an alarming rate. The bullets bounced harmlessly off the spinning staff, and one hit Ranbu in the arm. He cried out and glared at Tuxedo Kamen, he held his now-bleeding appendage. Just what are you going to do? I've heard around town that you've got a nasty disease, hemophilia, where if you bleed too much, you might 
just die. Tuxedo commenced sarcastically ridiculed. He knew this information from being in the orphanage and found it incredibly funny. That Tuxedo Command, what a joker. He then stopped and stood expectantly, waiting for Ranbu's response. Ranbu swayed and said, as he quickly pulled out his gun and pointed it towards Usagi, who was just regaining consciousness. If I can't have her, no one can. He then pulled the trigger and collapsed. Tuxedo Command stared in utter horror as the bullet raced towards his soulmate. Before he had time to think, he had stepped in its path and soon felt the searing pain of flesh upon lead. He too collapsed and soon fell in the blissful world of those dying. Blackness swirled before his eyes as he hardly felt the warm hands cradling him or heard the sobbing voice that said, Don't you die, Momu-chan! Don't you die! I love you! Please don't die! Usagi sobbed over the now transformed Mamaru and didn't notice the oncoming sirens or feel the trembling hand of Sailor Mercury on her shoulder. The Senshitachi, who had been called by Mamaru, he still had his communicator, and he ran to Usagi's aid, had flew as fast as they could, but without Usagi, and could not use the sailor teleport when had to in conventional teleportation. When they arrived, they saw the most saddening scene in their lives. It was Ranbu on the third floor with a smoking gun and Usagi embracing emotionless Mamaru. They detransformed and stood around Usagi, not knowing what to do. When the police arrived, they followed the ambulance in Minako's car, going towards Juban Hospital and an uncertain future. He's not in a coma, but he is on the brink of one. We have unstable condition, although he might slip at any time. And, well, he isn't responsive. However, you may be able to reach him. You may see him now. Doctor told Usagi in a no-nonsense air. She knew of doctors who'd stepped around the subject and only brought false hope. The young man, brought him an hour ago in a state of shock, might slide into a coma at any time. The doctor knew from experience that having a loved one come visit the patient could be the difference between life and death. The girl nodded and wrung her hands as she asked. The other man brought in, Where is she? Usagi asked as she felt a rage so terrible she feared she would explode. Well, we treated him for his disease, and the police took him a while ago, the doctor said gently. Usagi nodded again, thanked the doctor, and went back to the waiting room for a report. To report. She stood at the second to survey the room, a five closest friend, Naru, had been called to comfort Usagi. But Toki, the... He... The Hitonoi Danshi sat up in anticipation, waiting for the details. He could fall into a coma, and I'm going to visit him. I'll be back later, Usagi said abruptly as he turned to go. It stopped when she felt a hand on her shoulder. Don't worry, Usachan. It'll be okay, Ami said compassionately. Usagi smiled a tiny smile and walked towards room 202, where Maru was placed. Ami sat back down inside. Will he be okay? I want to know. I sure hope so. It would kill Usachan for him to die, Ray said dejectedly. Everyone silently agreed, and looked hopefully towards room 202. Usagi walked in. The room was pure white and barren except for a side table, an unupholstered chair, and the bed Maru and the cart was hooked up to so many tubes and such. Usagi winced when she heard his rasping cough. She walked over, sat down in the front of the soft chair, and took Maru's hand. It felt cold to the touch, and Usagi pressed it to her cheek, as if to lend some of her warmth to it. Don't you die, Mamu-chan. 
I love you too much to lose you. I know why you left so much now. I had a vision right before Rambu attacked me, where you told me everything. I suppose it was your soul again, trying to make sure I knew why you had hurt me. I know you're afraid I might leave you, but I'd never hurt you like that. I love you, and Chibiusa-chan, too much to jeopardize our future. Please wake up, Mamu-chan, Usagi whispered softly. Then he placed her hand on Mamaru's leg and squeezed her eyes shut to keep her relentless tears. She cried, now glowing Jin Zusho in her brooch, which the cover had mysteriously vanished, and un- went unnoticed as a bright light washed over both figures in the room. Usagi looked up and felt a peace evade her being. Then she turned to Maru and gasped, and she saw a most astonishing light. Maru was floating a foot over the bed, and was encased in a light coming from the Ginsu Isho. After a few minutes, the light dimmed, and Mamaru floated back down to his cot. As soon as he cover- touched the cover, as soon as he touched the covers, his smoky eyes fluttered again and looked around. When he took in Usagi, his eyes began to mist. Usago, I, you came to visit me, Mamaru whispered. Usagi retook his hand and said with all the conviction in the world, Of course I did, I love you. I know why you left me. I'd never leave you. Don't, you don't have to worry. I love you. I'm so sorry. I never wanted to go, but I was afraid you would leave me. I love you with all my heart and soul, and I never hurt you again. If I do, I give you permission to never speak to me again, Maru said solemnly. He braced himself for her answer. I don't need it. I know you won't leave me again. I mean, the crystal knew, didn't it? Why else would it heal you? Now you should rest. I'm going to tell the others I love you. Usagi kissed Maru's forehead, blew a kiss, and went out the door. Maru smiled. Wondering how he had won such a beautiful and wonderful girl by stalking her and being a pedophile. And fell into the first restful sleep in months. As he slept, a lone woman appeared in the flash and light and gazed on Mamaru with sisterly love. I'm so glad, Chiba Mamaru, that you've come to your senses and listened to your so many. And listen to so many sage friends. As a wise man once said, don't be afraid to love. That last look, Meho Setsuna. Meho Setsuna vanish in a cloud of grey smoke, and I see you no longer. Arthur's notes. This story takes place about two years after Glassy in the anime in Japanese, but might have some manga qualities. Hiyasha Ranbu Violent Loser Ranbu Violent Hayasha Loser Hinoi Tezi Mailman Another Good Character Denshi Mailman It's always a good character and I tried to make this as Japanese as possible but I may have made some errors. <coughs> Please don't be too harsh. I can't stress it enough. Please give constructive criticism. I'd like to thank all the story authors who inspired me to write this. There are too many to name. If you have any work at Chances are I've read it, and I mean you. Six, all the female characters are 18 or so. And now they are. The end. Well, that concludes this episode of Pretentious Internet Theater. Remember, you can email this program at thepitpodcast at gmail.com. Become a fan on Facebook at Pretentious Internet Theater. Or follow us on Twitter at thepitpodcast. And always remember... That there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Good night.
pleasure. It's all yours. But we all get hurt every day in a lot less unusual ways. Like running too fast! Right. Never run on a slick wet surface or with sharp objects in your hands. And pay attention to what you're doing and where you're going. Don't be an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, take your time and think about what you're doing while you're doing it. Sailor Moon says... 